0: In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing lessons learned from a church shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, The 1999 Temple Grounds Church Shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. Let's start in the Bible. This one is Ecclesiastes 9 verse 3, and it reads like this. This is an evil. The heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Great verse for us today, because there are a great number of people in this world where their heart is filled with evil and their heart is filled with madness and this of course has them acting out violently against innocent people and that's exactly what happened here in this situation now this church shooting or this shooting was actually in a church library but the lessons learned from it still apply to us and um and as you're going to see before we continue, I do want to encourage you to get the show notes, but I want you also to share this with other volunteers, other staff at your church. And this is one is very important for that because everyone needs to be part of the safety ministry. Now, I'm not saying safety team, but the safety ministry because it's staff and other volunteers from other minist- uh, ministries that are, could see things and hear things. And they need to know what to do, what actions to take to safeguard the congregation. So let's jump into this. Uh, Madness in the Library. This, uh, it was 10.30 Thursday morning, April 15, 1999. It was an LDS um, family history library in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, they were having an international convention that week. And so the library was full of people doing research. An older man carrying an umbrella came in. He walked up to the front desk, pulled a .22 pistol out from the umbrella, and shot the library receptionist in the head. Following this, he he fired wildly, wounding five more. Two of the six wounded died. One was a security guard. We don't know if the security guard was armed or not, but it was 1999, possibly not. About 30 people on the second floor locked themselves in a room when they heard the gunfire. This was before lockdowns were commonly recommended for active killer situations. Responding police did not expect to find a lockdown, so they um, thought another shooter was active. The bomb squad was called to search a yellow truck the shooter drove, and they also searched the library for any hidden bombs. As a result, a nearby denominational off, um, office building was evacuated as well as the Triad Center where the KSL studios are located. Ironically, uh, there had been another shooting at the KSL um, studios in a, um, by a different suspect. Uh, the total time of gunfire lasted an hour and 45 minutes. Responding police had the shooter cornered but he neither surrendered nor committed suicide. Instead, he threatened the officers from cover. They held their fire to avoid injuring innocent persons until the shooter popped out from around a corner and fired at them. Simultaneously, one officer who had kept his gun trained at the corner shot and neutralized him. The shooter was the seventh wounded and the third to die. All right, so let's talk about this person, and this is somebody who could be going to any of our churches right now um, with his mental illness profile. Okay, so a 70-year-old killer and his wife migrated to the United States from Russia um, not long after the, um, the end of the Soviet Union. Nazi Germany invaded the Soviet Union during World War II, as you all know, um, when he was 13 years old. Um, What he saw and what he heard and what he experienced um, left a lifelong imprint on him. In 1999, they were living in an apartment in Salt Lake City. Uh, No uh, no news articles mentioned their religious affiliation, but we do know that he was schizophrenic under a doctor's care. Sometime before the shooting, he had gone off his medication and refused to take it anymore, um, which we've definitely heard before. Um, His son tried to get him committed, but under Utah law at the time, involuntary commitment of the mentally ill was extremely unlikely. The shooter was paranoid. He saw Nazi spies almost everywhere. Many times he would give someone a Nazi salute with a Heil Hitler. Um, In context, this appears that he was mocking the other person as a Nazi spy. The gesture seems to reflect his memory of Nazi occupiers insisting on sh- uh, on a show of loyalty by citizens of their occupied territories. Um, a geological convention that week brought crowds to Salt Lake City. To the man schizophrenic paranoid mind, this may have seemed like an invasion by Nazis. He had a gun, so he was going to resist. That mindset could easily translate city police officers as being enemy soldiers. The killer also had um, police officers, uh, had a police record in Salt Lake City. Years before in a store he had gotten into an altercation with another shopper. At this time he had a uh, 22 pistol in his pocket but was not charged with it. In another incident he poked the tip of his umbrella into the spokes of a bicycle while someone was riding it. Also near Temple Square are the offices and studios of KSL, a church-owned broadcasting station. The suspect stopped there earlier that morning to ask directions to the library. He expressed anger with the LDS church and also said that he wanted to be on the news. All right, so lessons learned here is this. Staff, volunteers, um, and of course safety team members, we need to take all threats extremely seriously. If anyone within our church hears about a threat or hears a threat, they need to take immediate action because we don't know what they're planning to act now like he was. Or if they're going to act later, we need to know. We can't say, well, I'll just wait later and I'll let the pastor know about this. No, we have to take immediate action. And immediate action means passing that information off to the safety team and then quite possibly the rest of the staff and other volunteers. This is why two radios can be so good. Because we can get on there and say, hey, if you've gone through my training, this is a code orange, a disruptive person. A threat is a disruptive person. Even if it's whispered, it's a disruptive person. So it's code orange. You know, in this case, in the in the lobby or the office, you know, the radio station office. You know, hey, we have a code orange in the office. Then the team leader, safety team member, somebody has to get on the radio and say, you know, give us additional details. Well, they look like. What did they say? All this kind of stuff. Um, And. And then, from then, we're looking for this guy. He's walking around somewhere out there. He's carrying an umbrella. One of the things that Wesley puts in there is he's got this umbrella. Now, apparently, he carried the umbrella quite a bit because it was used in a previous assault where he stuck it in the spokes of the bike. But there was no rain that day. There was zero rain. He's just walking around with an umbrella. And that's pretty odd on a non-rain day, on a day it's not supposed to rain. So he's carrying an umbrella, That would help identify him, wouldn't it? But anyway, we need to get that information out, we need to share that information, then the team needs to act on that by looking for them. And then once he's found, then we're following the whole procedures for a suspicious or disruptive person, right? We get it's contact cover type situation, somebody is approaching him, engaging him verbally, you know, friendly, greeting, Certainly, at that point, you're going to see his anger. You might trigger a reaction, but since you're approaching him on your, under, you know, the way you want to approach him, you're ready for this response. Your, your contact your, uh, and cover are ready for the violence to break out by saying, hey, how are you doing? Right? We're ready. But we're making contact with him. If he doesn't go straight to violence, we're seeing them. He's mad. He's angry. He might have continued to verbalize threats. We're assessing him. Maybe the gun would have been seen in his umbrella, possibly, right? Because we're looking for weapons. We're looking for prints. You know, the gun printing through his clothes. We're watching his behavior, his actions, and something tells me that if he would have been contacted in that way, all the warning signs would have been there. And we could have that church could have gone into maybe a lockout if we were able to get them between the studio and the library, intercept them, engage him there, realize, hey, we got to go into a lockout. Let's close these doors, make sure they're locked and people are sheltered inside. Um, Or if it would have been later, him already in the library making contact with them there, um, you know, maybe we would have seen him pulling the gun to shoot the receptionist. Um, Maybe we would have responded quicker and other people wouldn't have been, you know, shot and wounded and killed in this scenario so that's the takeaway and this is all really short and maybe it's good it's short because you need to send this out to your team it's a right now it's coming on to 11 minute video right let's get this out listen to it and it's basically this if you ever hear a threat any kind of threat i'm going to kill somebody i'm going to hurt somebody i want to be on the news maybe it's other suspicious things Something makes the hair on the back of your neck stand on end, you need to let the safety team know and let the safety team respond to this situation in order to prevent it from turning into violence or at least mitigating the number of casualties. So that's that's all I have for you. I want you to talk about this with your teams. You know, now that you've listened to this, get the show notes. Let's have a meeting this next week or very soon to talk about what it is your church, your team, your ministry is going to do about these type of verbal threats that can occur. Um, Other than that, I want to thank you so much for being here. Like, share, comment on this video. Um, We're in the middle of our first quarter. uh, This next Sunday, we're doing Protecting Children from Abuse. If you're enrolled, please, um, I I look forward to seeing you. If you're not enrolled, you can still join mid-quarter. You're not going to miss anything else out because that's going to carry you into the second quarter. You'll get all the training and we have four quarters. There's all the time in the world to take these classes, but, you know, jump into the classes now. We certainly have room for you and we'd love to see you. Other than that, thank you so much. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.